Let's pray this morning. Oh Lord God, we cannot totally capture your awesome nature. Yet we ask this morning, help us, give us a glimpse, reveal to us once again who you really are. Let this be an incredible time of your presence. Let it be a time when you just fill this room, that you work in the hearts and minds of each one of us according to your purpose and what we need because you're committed to us and you're involved in our lives. You want the best for us. Father, we want you. We want you. And so we surrender this time to you as we surrender our minds and our hearts. And we ask, be God over this moment. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat this morning. Well, called by name takes a seat. And uh, remember, it's uh, kids' camp time out there, so don't forget that. And uh, take advantage of that. Well, we're in a uh, message series called uh, Nonfiction God, and remember what we've been doing in the message series is uh, trying to let the Bible just reveal to us the true nature of who God is, and in the process, getting rid of some of those kind of cultural, fictional uh, understandings of who God is. And so we'll take one more step today in, uh, in that same path here of understanding what the Bible says God is really, uh, really like for us. And as I thought about trying to capture uh, uh, the the image of uh, one of those those uh, fictional characters that we want to get rid of today. Uh, the, the best they could do this week is come up with uh, this guy right here. Does anybody remember who this guy is? Kind of dating myself on this one, huh? Anybody know who that is? There you go. Snidely Whiplash. Right, exactly, right? Snidely Whiplash. And what was Snidely Whiplash all about? Well, Snidely Whiplash was kind of the classic villain, wasn't he? He was just a villain, right? And, and you know, get him in context here. You got to get him with the whole the whole crew, right? You got Snidely there, and of course you've got Nell, you know, the wonderful Nell, right? And uh, I don't remember the horse's name if it had a name, but anyway, you got Nell. And of course, what was Snidely always doing? Well, he was always being the villain who was out to get Nell and trying to force Nell to do something, right? Forcing Nell to give up the deed to her ranch or his biggest thing was he was always trying to force Nell to marry him. Wasn't that, wasn't that it? Sure. And he tired of the railroad tracks and the train would be coming and if she'd marry him, he'd let her go. Da, 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 da. And of course, who always came to save the day? Dudley Do-Right. Exactly. Dudley Do-Right always came to save the day. And I know right now you're all working up the back of your throats. You're getting ready to go ahead and say that thing that Dudley always said, right? You know what he always said. You ready? We'll do it together. You ready? Don't worry. I'll save you, Nell. Isn't that what he said? Sure, I'll save you, Nell. He absolutely came to the rescue and all that kind of stuff. Well, okay, what's it all about? Well, I th isn't it true that there's people in our world, in our culture out there, who look at God as uh, snidely whiplash, as kind of the villain? And why is he the villain? Well, he's the villain because he's always trying to get me to do things I don't want to do. He's always trying to get me to, to do stuff I just want to do or, or be a person I don't want to be. He's trying to impose this morality on me. and he, He's trying to impose these rules on me. and he, He's trying to impose this way that I'm supposed to be in the world, right? And so a lot of people in the world look at God and they see him as this great big villain who's just trying to impose uh, his will on us. 
Well, as we look this morning and understand who God is, hopefully we'll understand that God is God, and this God is committed to us, and he is involved in our lives, not to simply impose his will, but to do what is best for us. He is kind of the, the Dudley do-right in the scenario, right? Who says, don't worry, I'll save you. Let's get into it. If we look at the nature of what the Bible says uh, God is, it says that God is justice, mercy, and grace. God is justice, God is mercy, and God is grace. Ephesians 2, we can look at this passage and we can see all the elements of God in this passage. We can see a God of justice, we can see a God of mercy, and we see a God of grace, right? Let's see if we can find it together and unpack it. Well, the first one's pretty obvious, right? In verse 4, it says, But God is so rich in mercy. So right away, Paul is telling us, look, this, this is, he's rich in it, right? It just oozes from him. It's just part of who he is. He, he can't move away from his nature. And, and part of his nature is to be the incredible God of mercy. It's part of who he is, right? So he is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Do you see the justice nature of God in there? It's right in that phrase where verse 5 says, even though we were dead because of our sins. We were what? Dead. Why? Because of our sins. And God is a God of justice. And, and, and from the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God made it pretty clear. Listen now, if you get outside my will, if you start doing what you want to do and ignoring my desire for your life, if you start living in a way that's contrary to what's best for you according to the way I've fashioned and formed you and created you, if you get out of the purpose that I've designed and created you accomplish, then and you become a taker, you have to realize sin has consequences. And the simple consequence of Genesis 3 is if you sin, you die. See, God is a God of justice by his nature. He is a God of justice, and, and we can see that. And so because we sin, because we fall short, his justice must be met. And so Paul can remind us, listen, that's where we were. We were dead. Why? Well, because of the justice of God. We were dead in our sins. But then he gives us the other nature of God. He's a God of mercy, absolutely, overflowing. He's a God of justice, can't get away from it. It's part of who he is. But he is also a God of grace, and that's where Paul ends up, right? It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Paul helps us understand the nature of who God is. And it's not just a New Testament uh, understanding of the nature of God. We can go back to Psalm 103, and we see the same elements of the nature of God, a God of of uh, justice, a God of mercy, a God of grace. You look at it, verse 8 says, the Lord is merciful. That's really easy. It's just who he is. He is merciful. And because of that, he's kind and patient and his love never fails. Verse 9, and the Lord won't always be angry and point out our sins. What is that? Justice, right? He doesn't miss a thing. He doesn't miss when we mess up, right? He, he's well aware of our sins and he's capable of pointing it out to us. He is a God of justice. And so when we mess up, when we live contrary to him, well, that's his nature, is to, is to expose that uh, in our lives, right? And verse 10, but what happens? He doesn't punish us as our sins deserve. What is that? Grace, total grace, isn't it? We deserve punishment, and yet out of the nature of who he is, 
he gives us this incredible grace. How can we understand it? Probably the best uh, uh, image I can give you to try to understand each of these concepts of justice, mercy, and grace is uh, an example some of you may have experienced. Not, not all of you, I'm sure. But some of you may have experienced this. Where you're driving your car and there's this road sign that says 45 miles an hour. Uh, but you're driving down that road and the road sign says 45 miles an hour is the law. And your speedometer says 55 miles an hour. What are you doing? You're breaking the law, right? 45. <laughs> you're going 55. And you look in your rearview mirror and you see these little red lights going and a whole bunch of emotions flow through you in that split second and you pull over and the officer walks up to your car and he taps on the window and you roll her down and he says, do you know how, yeah, license and registration followed by, do you know how fast you were going? What is he asking you in that moment? Well, he's asking you a justice question, isn't he? He's saying, listen, are you ready to come clean? Are you you ready to admit that it's a 45-mile-hour zone and you're going 55 miles an hour? He's asking a justice question. And you answer the justice question, hopefully honestly, and say, yes, officer, I was going 55, and I'm sorry about that. You're right. I was breaking the law. And what would be the the officer's just response in that experience? He would write you a ticket. He would write you a ticket, and you'd go through all the emotions and the sorrow and the sadness of getting a ticket, but it would be justice, wouldn't it? I mean, that's the law. You're getting what the law says. It would be justice, painful, uncomfortable, but hey, that's that's justice. Well, that's what God does in our life. There are things in our life that, that we have to face, and, and he is a God of justice, and he helps us face those difficult things. Now, the officer could also walk up to your window, and he could tap on the window and say the same justice questions. You know how fast you're going? And you say, yes, officer, I know I was going 55. You know, and he could respond to you and say, well, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm just going to write you a warning ticket, okay? Well, what would that mean if you got a warning ticket? Well, it means there would be some consequences. There wouldn't be the full consequences, right? It wouldn't tap your wallet, but it would mean that now it'd be recorded that that the next time you're driving on that, you know, if it's, what is warning tickets, 60 days or whatever, right, or six months, the next time you're driving on that, you're going 55 miles an hour and breaking the law, and the other officer comes up, he would come up knowing that you had already broken the law before. I mean, there would be some consequences that would carry with you, right? But he would be showing you mercy because you wouldn't feel the full effect of the consequences of what justice called for. Isn't that right? This is what God does. We have consequences when we fail, when we don't follow His will, when we don't live according to His desire. There's consequences that come with it, and they carry with us. But in His mercy, He helps us deal with the consequences and gets us to a place beyond the consequences. Or the officer could come up to your window, go through the same scenario, and by the time it's all done, he could say, well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you go this time. Don't do it again. What is that? Oh, that's like grace to the max, right? You're driving away saying, thank you, Lord, right? I mean, he could come up and say, listen, I know you're a good member at Christ Church and you worship all the time. And, you know, I know you're a tither, so I'll tell you what, we'll just just let you go this time. That's grace. 
Right? That's just sheer grace. You see, this is the nature of the way God is with us. God is a God of justice. And there are times in our lives when we need God to be a God of justice in our life. And God is a, ju- a God of mercy. And, and, and we're going to have consequences in our life, but in His mercy, He's going to help us deal with and move through the consequences, the hurt and the scars. And He's an incredible God of grace. He's an incredible God of grace that just freely releases us and gives us the opportunity to overcome and live a new life. Why is this important to us? Well, Paul uh, makes it really clear to us about the incredible grace that God has shown us in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, You are saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. That's grace. This is God's gift to you and not anything you have done on your own. It is something, uh, it isn't something you have earned, so there's nothing you can brag about. This is God's sheer grace to us. That when we deserve judgment, He chooses out of His love for us, out of mercy and grace, to send Jesus Christ to take that penalty. Ultimately, what do we got to think about then? Well, if we're going to accept today that this is the nature of God, that He is a God of justice and, and He is a God of mercy and He is a God of grace, then we also have to struggle with the reality of letting God be that in our lives. Let, let me ask you to think about this. I mean, isn't it true that, that there's some of us in the room today who need God to step into our life as a God of justice? I mean, we need God to step up into our lives as a God of justice and say to us, listen, you're not living the way God wants you to live. You're not living within the scope of the purpose that you were created for. Your life is not moving in the direction that Jesus Christ died to make possible for you. I mean, isn't it true there's some of us in this room who need to just get God to step into our life and say to us, listen, wake up. You're not living the life God wants for you. That's a God of justice. We need a God of justice. And there's many of us in the room as well who just need a God of mercy, that that we're carrying some hurts and we're carrying some scars and we're carrying some some consequences of those past times when when we lived outside of God's will and, and we carry the hurt of that and the consequence of that. We need the God of mercy to step in and help us to deal with that, to work through that, to overcome that. And ultimately, we all need the God of grace. The God of grace who just steps in and gives to us that freedom to be a new person. Maybe maybe the best place we can look at where we see God's nature in that way is Luke 15. And it's the story of the prodigal son. And, And we don't have time probably to read the whole story, but... If, if you go through the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, you'll see justice, grace, and mercy in the text. What happens? Young guy goes to dad, says, Dad, I got some places I got to go, some things I got to do. Need a little cash. Can I have my inheritance early? The father amazingly gives it to him. He goes off, and the text says he gets involved in wild living. I love that translation, wild living. And he squanders it all. He squanders it all and he ends up working for a guy and feeding pigs and eating the food that the pigs are served. As he's standing there, verse 17 comes into play. He's standing there and he says, finally, 
He came to his senses. You know what that statement is? That's a justice statement. What happened in his life? God finally brought him to a place of humility where he's looking at his life and saying, Man, did I mess up. Been in that place? Man, did I squander the opportunity my father gave me. Man, I had everything going for me. And I listened to the wrong voices and I went down the wrong path and I convinced myself it was all good. And right, man, what was I thinking and doing? See, he's coming to his senses. He's having a justice moment. God is bringing him to that place in his life to look at his life and say, this is not what God wants for my life. Look what he does next. He says, my father's working, I have plenty to eat, and here I am starving to death. I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against God in heaven and against you. I'm no longer good enough to be called your son. Treat me like one of your workers. What did he just have there? After the justice moment, he had a mercy moment, didn't he? He said, listen, I deserve some consequences. I, I, I deserve whatever's dished out my way. Because I've failed my father. And so at least I could ask for mercy from him. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve to be a son. But, but if you would just give me some mercy and let me just work in his household. You see, the son is having a mercy moment. He's faced the reality of his life and he's moved to that place where God has led him to seek mercy. Isn't it? Of course, the amazing thing is the text that it says that he got up and he started back and, and the father saw him and the father felt sad. And look at the nature of the father. He ran to his son and he hugged and he kissed him. And the son does his mercy thing. And the father says, hurry and bring the best clothes. Put them on him. Give him a ring for his finger and sandals for him. Give him the, get the best calf. Prepare it. We can eat. We can celebrate. What's that? That's incredible grace, isn't it? All the son was asking for was mercy. And the father gives him incredible grace. See, I want you to hear this morning that there are places in my life where I needed God to step in as a God of justice because I was doing some things that were contrary to God's desire and will. And, and you know those places where God stepped in and drew me up short? I carry some of the scars from that. I carry some of the wounds from that. I carry some of the memories. There are days in my life where I say and I look backwards and say, what was I doing? What was I thinking? What is that? Well, it's carrying the scars of that, isn't it? And I need God's mercy in my life to help me get beyond those scars. And ultimately, I need to be convinced of God's grace. I need to be convinced that in spite of all the mistakes I've made in my life, that God's grace is enough for me and that he can make a new person out of even me. Justice, mercy, grace. This is the nature of who God is. We can see it again in Matthew 20, and you can go home and read the story, but it's the story Jesus tells about the guy who went out and he had a vineyard and he went out and hired some people in the morning and said, hey, I'll pay you a full day's wage if you work for a full day. And then he went out later on, he hired some more people, made an agreement with them. Went out later, hired some more people, made an agreement with them. Went out a couple hours left in the day, hired some more guys, put them to work. Came time to pay everybody at the end of the day. And he paid everybody the same wage for a full day's work. Those people that had been working the whole day, what was their response? 
Their response was to say, well, wait a minute. We, we, we worked all day, and you paid those guys who worked just a few hours the same. We worked all day in the hot sun, and they got as much as we got. And the guy's response? Well, listen, was I unjust or was I just? Didn't I pay you what we agreed upon? You see, God is a God of justice. He's a God of justice, and, and he's going to step into our lives when we need him to step into our lives and be that God. And he's a God of mercy. And he's going to help us with the scars and the wounds. And he's a God of grace because he always sees what our lives can become. Now, here's the question of the day. You ready for the question of the day? See, a lot of people see God as that villain who's only trying to get them to do what they don't want to do. In reality... God is this incredible God of justice, mercy, and grace. But are you ready for God to be that kind of God? I mean, are you willing to accept and believe today that that's the nature of God? And even beyond that, this is the God you need in your life. See, you're thinking right now about your own life, and you know those places where God is enacting justice on you right now. And you know those places where you failed before and you're struggling with the scars of it. And you know that there's an opportunity in Jesus Christ for you to be a new person. Why? Not because of you. Not because of what you've done. But completely because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Listen, God is a God of justice he is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. And because he is who he is, we can just let him be God in our life. We can just let go and let God be that God of justice, grace, and mercy. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, we ask out of your grace and out of your mercy that you would look upon us and uh, you would be the God that you are. Not, not the God that we want you to be, but that you be the God that you are. And that there are places in, in our life where we're just not doing it right, Lord, where we're not living the way you want us to live, and we're not experiencing the incredible goodness of what life in your name is. Father, we ask, step in injustice, will you? Step in injustice and help us to see that. Just expose all of those places in our life. And as you do it, please, Lord, do it in mercy. Don't make the scars too deep, the wounds too hurt, hurtful. And help us to, to overcome and to, to let go and to trust who you are more than anything. Not because of ourselves, not because we deserve it, not because we can earn it, but just because of who you are, God. And be that God of grace who is willing to give us your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Because of that, you make it possible for us to be new people. Help us to be the new people you want us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.